Welcome to episode 63 of the Daniel Yours podcast, Q&A episode number two. Let's go. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you for joining me again today. I appreciate your time and attention. As always, it's not lost on me that you're taking however long this episode is going to be, taking that amount of time out of your day to spend listening to me and talk and learn and hopefully have a little bit of fun as well. Podcast has been doing really well lately, getting a lot of love, which is always very much appreciated. Definitely helps me to keep going. I mean, I'm going to keep going anyways, but it's always nice to know that it's being appreciated, know that uh, people like yourself are learning from this and growing and, and getting some help because in the end, that's what uh, that's what it's all about. Okay, I, can't, I don't know if you guys can hear that, but I think my neighborhood has got to have one of the highest amounts of construction like ever. And it's been like through the winter somehow. I don't know. I mean, to be fair, my direct neighbor's house is getting a full renovation. There's even a lot of construction at, at my house, not right now, but into the summer it will be. But anyways, I'll try and cancel out that noise in the background. I don't think you can hear it, but I can certainly hear it. So hopefully it doesn't come through, but it is what it is. Um, the last time I did a Q&A episode about a month or so ago, uh, I can't remember what number it was off the top of my head. Um, got really good response, had really great questions from you guys through Instagram mostly. Um, and so I, I want to continue to do this because I think that that's the, the best way. It's better to answer questions that you have directly rather than me thinking about topics to speak about in, in a little bit more depth in these kind of solo episodes, which is great. And I can continue to do that, but I think it's probably more helpful if I'm answering your questions directly rather than I'm answering questions that I imagine you might have. So anyways, that's uh, that's what we're doing today. Another couple little updates. The the cut for myself is going super well. been continuing to update that on Instagram, so please follow along, ask questions on that. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know I gained a bunch of weight, and then I've been losing it over this past year and, and or, or the beginning of this year, 2022, and pretty well almost done with it into the, into the last bit, the hardest bit <laughs> as it gets closer to the end. Uh, but things are going well, so follow me on Instagram for that if you're not already at Daniel Yoris. Um, I also recently put up my website, finally, uh, danielyoris.com. There's not a whole lot on there right now, but depending on when you listen to this, there there will be plenty of information in the way of articles. I've got one going up uh, very soon. It's uh, March 29th today, so one going up very soon, the first one, um, and, and some more information about myself and online coaching and application page for that and, and a little bit of my story and some stuff with the podcast as well. And just kind of uh, a little bit of a landing page, a homepage feels a little bit more official and feels like something that I probably should have had uh, five years ago, but I don't. So here we are. Anyways, check that out if you haven't already. And uh, and let's get into some of the questions here. So we've got some good questions here today. Um, and we'll start for the first one. Obviously, <laughs> the first question is, how should I determine or how to determine calorie needs for a woman? Now, the very first answer or part of the answer to this question is that the way to determine calorie needs for a woman is the same way to determine calorie needs for a man or like probably for a squirrel or any other <laughs> kind of mammal. Uh, there's no there's no difference uh, between women and men in, in, as far as determining calorie needs. Now, to determine your calorie needs is quite a tricky science to get it exact. So it takes into consideration many things. Now, calories, to back this up a little bit, calories are units of energy and the calorie needs would be the amount of energy that you need to consume in order for your body to continue to function. Now, I'm going to take calorie needs as meaning our maintenance. So that means that, need, that means rather um, 
how many calories we need to just sort of maintain our weight. And then the calorie needs to lose weight would just be less than that. Calorie needs to gain weight would just be more than that. Some of the things that go into consideration when determining one's calorie needs are your current body weight, your current body composition, as far as what percentage of your total mass is muscle mass versus fat mass or, or sorry, muscle mass and lean tissue as in your bones, organs, skin, all that stuff uh, versus fat mass. So someone with a relatively higher uh, muscle mass percentage or, or the same by the same token, a relatively lower body fat percentage at the same total body weight would have a higher caloric need than someone who has a relatively higher body fat percentage at the same weight because muscle is metabolically active, requires energy to uh, sustain itself. So that's something to consider. Your activity level is also a major consideration for how many calories you need. If you sit on the couch and don't ever move, you're not expending a whole lot of energy. Therefore, you need a lot less energy to maintain yourself. If you are running a marathon every day, again, using two extremes just to paint the picture, if you're running a marathon every day, you of course need a lot more calories to sustain that level of activity. Now, it doesn't have to be only exercise. What's called NEAT or, or something known as NEAT is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And that is the activity that you do that is not exactly structured exercise. So just fidgeting, getting up, walking around the house, cooking, uh, cleaning, walking to the office, walking to the car. Like these things are just the regular day-to-day actions that we do. And everything has a caloric cost. It may be very small, infinitesimally small, but it's still non-zero. And so these things um, have to be taken into consideration. Uh, and and your age to a degree is also considered. Now, there's been a little bit of, I don't want to use the word controversy, but there was a new study that came out, it was like six, six to eight months ago or something, and it was determining or looking at whether or not one's metabolism declines with age naturally, assuming that exercise and everything is like all the same. And the result of the study was that it actually doesn't. So for those of you who are 30, 40, 50 years old, oh, my metabolism declines with age, you know, I used to be able to get away with things that I can't now. Maybe it's, if anything, it seems to be a very small amount. And it seems to be more a cause of the choices we make as in we stop exercising, we stop playing, we stop doing more things. And so that's why you can quote unquote, get away with less things. But it doesn't appear that metabolism purely will lower until well after age 60. So that's something important to keep in mind. Now, to answer the question, I just threw a lot of variables at you, things that are very difficult at best to calculate accurately. So when determining your calorie needs, I think the easiest and most practical way to do it is take your body weight, multiply it by 15. If you're extremely active, add 10% to that. If you're extremely sedentary, take 10% from that. Now, this is, of course, not not an exact accurate number, but even if you were, even if you were able to measure all of the variables that go into calculating what your actual caloric needs are, it would still be it would still be an estimate. It would be a little bit more of an accurate estimate, but it's still an estimate. So, taking your body weight times fifteen tends to land us somewhere in the ballpark that's pretty close. Now, the real way to tell is whether your weight is changing or not. So, you take your body weight times fifteen. Let's say that equals to 2,000. If you eat 2,000 calories, let's say you eat 2,000 calories for three weeks, you weigh yourself every day, your weight doesn't change, 
you can be pretty confident that that is your maintenance calories and that and, and 2000 would be your caloric needs. If you eat 2000 calories every day for three weeks and you, you weigh yourself every day and your weight decreases, then you can be pretty confident that 2000 calories is below your caloric needs and your actual caloric needs are a little bit higher. So bump it up by 200, go to 2200, rinse, rinse and repeat the, the self-experiment and see where you land. By the same by the same token, in the opposite direction, if you're eating 2,000 calories and your weight is going up, then you know that your weight is, or, or sorry, 2,000 calories is above your caloric needs, and so you can drop it by 200 calories, 1,800, and then see if uh, if that is better for you. Now, 1,800 is pretty low. That you, you, if you're unless you're a very tiny person, 1,800 is probably not your maintenance level. But just to just to paint the picture there. Now, all of this is still it's all still an estimate because to, to be able to determine whether you're eating exactly 2000 calories is, is also pretty difficult. Like, are you measuring every possible bite, every little drop of oil, every, every little, anything that you eat, all the snacks, all the licks and everything likely not. And if you are, and if you even, even if you are able to determine all those things and measure and track all of that, how much of that is actually being absorbed and utilized by your body. That's a whole other thing that you would really never be able to know. So all of this is really an estimate. So this is why not to get too sticky on these things, use these generalizations, body weight times 15, guess and check from there and continue to track your weight and your body composition and your training and all that stuff. And then just see how your body responds to it. That's the best way to determine your calorie needs. In my opinion, for women or men or any, or anything else, it, it doesn't uh, make a difference for, for those reasons. So, Hopefully that uh, that answers that question there. Now the second question, also from a female, and this is going to be a little bit more, uh, you know, female oriented for sure. A little bit more of a detailed question uh, is the question is: Can you lose weight during your period? Now I think uh, before before I get into the answer of this question, I should note that obviously I'm not a woman. I've never had a period, and so I don't have any personal experience in my own body with these things. However, historically, and, and even now, I've trained more women than men, probably like, I'd say 60, 60, 40 to women and men. And so, you know, I've experienced it vicariously through training people and, and seeing how different people react and whatever, and also just like, you know, do some do some research on these things. So I would I would actually like to speak to someone who's much more qualified in this on the podcast. If you happen to know someone who like really knows the ins and outs of these things, please send them my way. I would love to have a, an entire episode with them. But for, for the purposes of this one, can you lose weight during your period? The short answer is yes, of course you can. Now, is that necessarily going to happen? Is that easy? Of course not. And like always, individual approach, it's going to be different for every single woman. Now, here are some things to to consider the two phases of the menstrual cycle do have some changes in the in the follicular follicular phase which is the the beginning phase the first half if you will uh, there's less hormonal activity this is when you'd be quote unquote feeling more normal this is when you should be able to train a little bit harder um, you shouldn't have as many hunger pangs and and cravings and these kind of things now somewhere around or, or exactly in the middle I guess is, is the ovulation day that's uh, day 14 in theory again obviously individual differences blah 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 I'll probably say that 15 times during this answer um, this is in theory when you would be at your strongest um, you, there's also some research showing that this may be the day or a couple of days that 
you have the greatest chance of injury due to like spikes in, in hormone activity, which in my experience, I haven't seen that. But I guess if you're training super hard, maybe more into the elite or professional athlete realm, that, that may be a thing. But in my experience, I, I haven't uh, experienced that through others. And then here's where we, we get into the things that matter. So during the follicular phase, you know, when things are more quote unquote normal, you would probably be likely to more likely to seal see scale weight dropping because things in your body are not happening as crazy as as they do at the next at the next phase. So in the second half, in the luteal phase, as it's called, and and hopefully some men are listening to this and learn from this too because it's it's important to know just how you know the things that women have to go through. So, anyways. <laughs> This is when hormonal activity spikes. Uh, there's increased sensitivity to heat, especially heat and cold and, and temperatures, uh, increased hunger, increased metabolism as well. And this is what we're going we're gonna to kind of talk about. So there's an increase in your base metabolic rate. Now, we were just talking about calories. So, and I said that, you know, you don't need, it, there's not differences to calculate calorie needs for men and women, except for this aspect, which is, which is not insignificant, except for the part it's not insignificant in its what's actually happening. It is insignificant in one's ability to calculate this with some shred of accuracy and to, and to change this too often. So there are some studies that show that there are massive increases in BMR during the luteal phase. And there are some studies that show that there are no increases in BMR. And so science, as we know, is not always correct and especially studies that date back, you know, earlier in time when the things that they studied about women were not always accurate and just studied by a bunch of men who had no idea what they were talking about. So take, you know, take all science with a grain of salt. Now, the, the answer, the true answer is probably somewhere in the middle. And as always, individual differences matter. So if you know in your in your for yourself for your own body that during the second half uh, the second phase or second part uh, of the menstrual cycle that you're getting super hungry and and you feel like your body's hot and temp- body temperature has risen and all these kind of things in all likelihood your base metabolic rate has increased. Now, how much does it increase? Some studies have seen up to 20% that seems quite high and there's only a couple of them most of the you know the better designed studies seem to pin the number somewhere between five to ten percent now that's also like kind of a big range but again individual differences now here's the thing to 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 know about this is that the number of that is far too precise to actually do anything with even if we take the high end of it and say that it's a 20 percent increase in your base metabolic rate. So you need 20% more calories to maintain your weight. If you're trying to lose weight, that would be great because you can continue to eat the same amount, but your body is burning 20% more calories. And therefore you would by default be in a calorie deficit. Now at this time of the month, you may also be a little bit more bloated. Your body may be holding on some more, a little bit more water. So you might not see it on the scale, but it doesn't negate the fact that body fat loss or calorie deficit is still, is still happening. Here's another thing to know about this 20%. 20% sounds like a lot, right? That that's it's you know one one fifth. It sounds like a lot. But if you think about it, most people's calorie needs to, to maintain their weight is somewhere slightly, you know, in and around 2,000 or slightly above 2,000-ish. If we take that 20%, which again is on the higher end of things, that's about 
200, 250 calories, depending on, you know, your, your, all the things we talked about before. 200 calories is not a lot. That's like the equivalent of like a small cookie, not, you know, six scoops of ice cream and three pieces of chocolate cake and chips and candy and seven bowls of pasta. Like that's not, that's way more than 200 calories. So if you're trying to maintain your weight, that's great, but we can't overdo it. This is, this is where the, the, the line gets crossed, right? Is I, I know, again, I don't know this for myself, but through others experience, I know that the cravings are there and that they're real and that you feel extremely hungry. And I, I get it. I, I sympathize with you. But if you're trying to lose weight, you can't always give in to, the, to these things. Weight loss, there, there is a degree of sacrifice that has to be that has to be made. Eating less and feeling a little bit hungry is part of it. Now, not to your detriment, not that you should be starving yourself and all of these things, but understand, it's important, I think, to understand how much these calorie increases are, this, this calorie cost of running your body is, and know that, yes, it may be 20% on the a higher end, more likely somewhere in the 5 to 10% range. And, and that is really not that much in terms of actual food volume that you can eat, right? It, like an, an apple, a couple of apples maybe is, is what it is, but you know, you're not, <laughs> I don't, I don't know this for a fact, but I've never met anyone who's craving to have a couple of apples. It's always junk stuff, which is, which means you can even get away with eating less of it just by volume of food. So this is also where like intuitive eating kind of breaks down because intuitively, like I just said, you don't want apples, you want ice cream and chocolate and, and these kind of things. And you want a lot of it. You don't want one scoop of chocolate ice cream or, or one spoonful of chocolate ice cream. You want a lot of chocolate ice cream. And that's great. I love chocolate ice cream too. But this in, intu- intuition doesn't lead us to where we want to go if fat loss is the goal. So another thing that this brings me to is the importance of tracking weight more regularly. And and by regularly, I mean daily, not not weekly on the same day of the week and all these things because too many things happen. So I, I know that I've talked about this before many times, but it's important to, to reiterate again, especially especially for females, you know, through your cycle, because because your body is changing week to week through the cycle, it's important to understand how your body changes through the different phases of your cycle. And that's going to be different for you and different for every other female. So you need to do this for yourself, not just read uh, you know someone's blog or someone else's the way someone else's body changes. You have to know this for yourself. If you always weigh yourself on the first of the month, well, the first of the month may be sometimes at different, like the first day of the month, not the first day of the cycle, the first day on the calendar. That may fall in different cycles as the days go on because your cycle is not exactly one calendar month. It's different for everybody. So you need to continue to weigh yourself uh, and, and see how your body reacts. So you know that the weeks that you're going to be, your weight is going to be up a little bit higher. You know the weight, the weeks that your weight might come down a little bit. You know the weeks or the days that it's going to fluctuate up and down and you can just be comfortable knowing that that's going to happen and and expect it to happen this way you're not freaking out. Now, having said that, like the, the scale will, will continue to play tricks on you, right? You're, if your scale, if the scale does go up, it could be just you're holding on to more water. You're a little bit, you're a little bit more bloated. That doesn't necessarily represent fat gain or loss, but without an adequate number of data points, as in tracking your weight almost daily, you'll never know that you might, you might end up weighing yourself on two days where you happen to be more bloated. But if had you waited the next day, you would be less bloated. And so the scale number would go down, but actual fat loss or fat mass change has been zero. So again, this is the the importance of of weighing yourself daily and uh, just tracking more data points. Now, I think to to kind of wrap this up during the week of your period, you might not actually lose any fat as in, as in that's when 
uh, and weight, weight will be higher and, and you might be eating more and all these kind of things. You might be also moving less. Um, but keep in mind that fat loss is not a linear process. You won't lose fat every day or every week anyways. And this is men included, like no one's dropping weight on the scale every single day. There's going to be up days and down days and you know, whatever. So you need to zoom out a little bit. Think about your weight loss more on a monthly basis. If the scale doesn't go down during the week of your period, that's okay. Who cares if it goes down over the month, month to month, or, or, you know, two months to two months or whatever, whatever it is, that's where we know that weight loss is happening. So we need to, I think the, the, the overall message here is, can you lose weight in your period? Yes. Will you lose weight during the week of your period? I don't know. And to top it off, it doesn't matter. Even if weight loss is your primary goal, zoom out a little bit, keep track of things on a, on a cycle basis and, um, and, and think about it that way on a, on a longer term scale. So hopefully that answers uh, the question. There's, there's obviously a lot there and this is a, a huge deep topic that of course I'm not an expert in, but I do have, you know, a decent amount of experience to, to answer and navigate the question. The, the best way that I've kind of dealt with this with clients is in this tracking and it's tracking of weight, but it's also tracking of training. I know that some clients will have like two weeks and maybe three weeks. Again, it always depends of like where we can go really hard. And then that fourth week is sort of a deload week. And so we'll still train, but we'll just cut the weights in half or cut volume in half. Again, that's also different to each Some clients, some women can still lift heavy, but just not as many reps or some women will not be able to lift heavy to them, but they can do a little bit more volume. And so we'll work on something else. And so it's important to track the way your body feels and, and acts um, and performs during this so that you can adjust your training accordingly as well. So again, just pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. I can't stress that enough. And then adjust everything accordingly. You don't have to be maxing out every day. If you can start to train and eat in, in conjunction with your cycle and stop fighting it, it's going to help you a heck of a lot in the long run. So Pay attention as much as possible. Get get to know yourself, your own body, the way things react, and then adjust accordingly. Don't fight it. This is a race, whether it's fat loss, strength gain, muscle mass gain, whatever it is, whatever your goals are, this is a, a race to nowhere. It never ends, it never finishes. And so don't fight your body with it. Just roll with the roll with the times and roll with what's going on. And when you can train hard, you train hard. When you have to take your foot off the gas a little bit, you take your foot off the gas and this way you can keep going. There's no sense in pushing it when you can't and then you have a shitty training session and then you feel bad about yourself and then you feel self-conscious about the next time and then this leads into like six weeks of feeling bad training when if all we did was just take the training back just a little bit, we could have had an amazing session next week, been right back on track, continuing to make progress. Same thing with your diet. You're expecting weight to go down, even though if you had been tracking, you know that your weight on the scale never drops that week. Now you feel bad. Now you eat more. Now your weight actually goes up because you feel bad and you eat more and you move less. And then we're you know back in the cycle. So pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, and adjust everything to your individual needs. And and again, if you have someone or you know someone who's like more of an expert in this stuff, please uh, send them my way. I, I would love to have a full conversation with them and, and learn more for myself and, and be able to educate to all of you as well. Next question, and uh, switching gears here, this is question is almost certainly from a man. Actually, obviously, I know it's from a man because I read the question and received the question. What is better for building up chest, dumbbell pressing or barbell pressing? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, to answer this question the best way, uh, <laughs> I'm always I'm always never giving direct answers, aren't I? When, when I'm about to say this, like we're kind of splitting hairs here. If you're looking to be a bodybuilder and looking to gain like the maximum pectoral muscle growth, 
probably dumbbells would be better. Um, but for most people, splitting hairs. Now, dumbbells will have a little bit better isolation because you can move them each individually. They can also move freely where the barbell is not a fixed path like a Smith machine that's attached to the machine, but the barbell, both hands have to move uh, together and they're on a bar that's straight, which only moves in one direction where it's harder or impossible to change the angle of your wrist, elbows, shoulder, and all that stuff. With dumbbells, you can kind of place them wherever you want to and then move in the best line of pressing that, that feels the best and works your chest the best. So dumbbells will be a little bit more specific for sure. Um, whereas barbells will be a little bit better for pure strength because you can lift more weight because it's a little bit more stable due to the things that I just said, where, because it's a fixed path, both or, or a fixed, um, fixed hand position, both hands are working in unison or both arms, chest, shoulders are working in unison to press together. That will be a little bit better for developing pure strength and power from your chest, most likely, but, uh, dumbbells will be, will be better isolation. Now, I think another third thing to throw into this is cables. The cable pressing and and what's come around more more recently is these cable press arounds. And shout out to Coach Kasim, Kasim uh, Hansen of uh, N1 Education for kind of bringing this to light. It's it's the pec muscle presses and it and it does a fly motion. It converges towards the midline. So when we do a press around, it's sort of a combination of both of these motions where you're pressing out and then flying in towards it. I'm sure I've shown it on Instagram somewhere, but also I'll tag uh, coach Kasim in the, in the, in the show notes and you can see it on his Instagram for sure. Um, underrated movement because it, because it allows for, for pure like hypertrophy building. Oh, again, I would say that this is like not as much strength building, like a power lifter might not use this maybe in their isolation stuff, but for pure hypertrophy stuff, much better because you're getting more of that full motion of the pec muscle rather than training the pushing movement. A barbell would be great for training a pure pressing movement, whereas a cable might be better for training the pure muscle movement. And those two things are slightly different. So being able to use the cable, being able to train at different angles that you can't necessarily set up with a dumbbell because a dumbbell, because it's free, the it, it's subject to gravity. Gravity only works vertically up and down. No matter what, you know, kind of squeeze presses and other weird exercises people do, gravity doesn't work horizontally. But with a cable, because you can set the cable up at different heights and the cable pulls in different directions, essentially gravity can work in different ways. It's still horizontal or still vertically because it's moving the stack up and down, but where you're pressing is from a different angle. So to, to answer the question kind of like in one sentence, we're splitting hairs to determine whether it's best if we're talking about pure hypertrophy cables and dumbbells would be better than barbells. If we're talking about strength, barbell probably better than dumbbells, but all of them should be used in, in all different phases of training. All of them have their, have their place, um, and use what's best for you and what works, what's, what works best for you. Because as always, individual approach is the most important. Next question, a little bit of a cardio question. How often should you do cardio for losing weight and what type is best? First and foremost, Cardio is not for losing weight. It's for improving heart health. I'll say that one more time. Cardio is not for losing weight. It's for improving heart health. Cardio has been used as a weight loss tool because it seems to burn calories more and you sweat more and the treadmill has a little calorie counter that is wildly inaccurate and your Apple watch, which is equally inaccurate, says that you burn a lot of calories riding a bike or jumping up and down and running and all this stuff doesn't even matter because if you if you 
burn 200 calories in the, in the workout, 300, 400 calories. Like we talked about earlier, like you have one cookie, you're now that's it. It's done. It's that calorie deficit that you think you have created is gone, which was an overestimation anyways. And so that, so cardio is meant to improve your heart health or to improve your skill at that cardio activity, whether it be running, whether it be cycling, whether it be rowing, whether it be a stairmaster, whatever cardio implement you choose to use. So, so as far, as far as how often should you do it for losing weight, there is no requirement, absolutely no requirement for doing cardio for weight loss purposes. Now, because it's not necessary, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. In fact, you should do it for the health of your heart and it will help with just, you know, keeping yourself pain-free, keeping yourself injury-free, keeping yourself, keeping your volume of training adequate, um, keeping your engine going, so to speak, keeping your, your cardiovascular fitness going so you can continue to train with weights if that's your, your preferred way of training. So there's no, uh, there's no way that you should necessarily do cardio. You should move every day, aim for, you know, 10,000 steps every day of, of activity. As far as health goes, you know, 120 minutes or so, two hours, if you can, of zone two cardio activity, which is like pretty light activity where you can still speak. It's somewhere in the 60 to 70% of your heart rate max. Um, you use the talk test and that's what I meant by still able to speak where you're walking on a treadmill or cycling or whatever. And your breathing is not so heavy that you would still be able to maintain a conversation. If you're running and you start to talk like this, then then that's too hard. And, and sorry for breathing into the microphone there, but then, then you're getting out of that zone two area. Um, that is probably most beneficial for, for uh, cardiovascular fitness and heart health. But at the same time, you know, sprinting and hard work is also going to be good. So for fat loss, neither of them is necessary. No type of cardio, no amount is necessary. My recommendation will be two, at least two 30-minute sessions a week uh, of dedicated cardio and, uh, and, and walking every day. And, and, th- and that walk can be part of that, those 30 minutes. So that would be my recommendation. Again, it would be vastly different for each individual based on your circumstances, based on a lot of different things. But to give a blanket statement, like once a week, let's say, let's say once a week minimum. I'm, I'm even going to retract that. Once a week minimum, do some cardio just for the purposes of your heart health, not for purposes of weight loss. Uh, as far as like what type of cardio is best, it doesn't matter. There, there seems to be no, nothing that actually matters in, in any of the literature or, or for any fat loss purposes, running, rowing, cycling, stairmaster, elliptical, whatever you want. It's all good as far as like our heart goes. Heart doesn't know whether your heart doesn't know what, what type of activity you're doing. It just knows that it's beating and pumping blood through your body. That's what it knows. So it doesn't know what you're doing. Now, I would say, and this is like totally personal based on anecdote and, and not based on any research that there's something there's something special about running. And I think it's maybe because it's a little bit more primal. We're using our own body to propel ourselves. And I would also like go as far as saying running outside somehow more special than running on a treadmill. Again, I can't back this up with anything. This is just my own personal experience with myself mainly running outside. It just feels more primal. feels like a skill that humans should have. It feels like an important thing to know how to do maybe from a self-defense perspective to be able to run to, to, if you need to, um, you know, if you haven't run since, uh, since elementary school kind of thing, like probably not that great. It's probably a thing that, you know, we should, we should be able to do. Um, but as far as like fat loss and stuff goes, doesn't really make a difference. So do whatever 
you enjoy. Do whatever is least barrier to you. If it's freezing outside, like in Canada, yeah, I'm not running outside in the winter. Just not happening. I'll go for a walk. I'm not running outside in the winter. So so I'll run on a treadmill or, or ride the bike, like stationary bike or salt bike or rower or something like that. Do whatever, uh, do whatever feels good to you. Now, the last question here. What are some of the best snacks for weight loss? Okay. Uh, how can I say this without um, sounding too mean? If, uh, if your primary question or concern when you're, when you're starting to lose weight or get on any type of diet or something like that is what type of snacks you should be eating or and or when your cheat meals will be, you're not going to make it. It's, it's <laughs> fat loss is about sacrifice. You, you've got to eat less and, and there's got to be things that happen. So if you're already thinking about how you can get around it in the ways that, you know, these kind of things, you've got to really, really reconsider whether or not right now is the best time for you to be losing fat until you can control that. I, I, I have a hard time understanding the, the obsession with snacking. I know that we, you know, as kids, we're always, you know, we have breakfast, you go to school, then you have like morning snack and then you, you have lunch and then you have afternoon snack and then you come home from school and you have a snack and then you have, like, I don't think we need this many snacks, maybe as kids, because it keeps us entertained or something. But when you're an adult, like we can just have, have a meal. Like I don't, yes, you can snack if if you like, but snacking is also the most likely and, and highly correlated thing with, with like people gaining weight without realizing it is we snack without, without understanding that we're snacking without even noticing that we're snacking and with, with almost no regard to the amount of which we're eating while we're snacking, whether it be chips, whether it even be something healthy, it doesn't even matter. It can be a quote unquote healthy snack, whatever that means to you. And you eat 700 calories of it. And it's like, that's fine. If we're talking about health, health and calories and weight loss are two different things. But if weight loss is your goal, like you can't be, you can't be eating a snack of 700 calories after you've already had three meals of dinner or three meals, three regular meals in the day. And you've already hit your calorie goals. Now you're your calorie target. You're already over by 700 and you eat healthy food, which is good. And maybe it makes you feel good, but it's not going to make you lose weight. So, so again, before I kind of like give a few recommendations here, like you really got to think about why you need so many snacks, whether you could just be eating more filling foods at meals, larger meals, and and why psychologically you feel the need to uh, to snack so much, and whether you can whether you can diminish that a little bit. Now, as far as like what are some actual snacks? You know, you're you're kind of hungry between meals, and you just need something just to hold you over. But you're going to be kind of calculated about it, and it's going to fit your fit in your daily intake and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, raw veggies is probably like the best thing because it's essentially zero calories, pretty easy to, to have, like, you know, whenever you go grocery shopping buy you know, peppers, cucumbers, carrots, these kind of things that celery that is good to eat raw and, you know, cut up a whole bunch of them, have them prepared this way. If you have it prepared, you know, you're more likely to reach for them rather than, Oh, I don't want to wash and cut that pepper. I'll just have a chocolate bar because it's easy. So have those things washed and cut and prepared, um, and and you can just munch on those. Those are pretty free. I mean, if if you feel the need to just chew on something and eat something, that's a great one because again, essentially like zero calories as far as weight loss, and there's vitamins and minerals and nutrients in those things that are healthy. So double bonus. 
Another thing that might be good is some Greek yogurt. You can put a little bit of uh, berries in there, berries on their own, or, or fruits in general would be a decent snack. Again, like fruit is hard. It's really hard to overeat. Like you're not going to have 500 calories of apples or 500 calories of berries or whatever, but if you have that in front of you, like you might just eat it. So like, yes, fruit is good because it's pretty low calorie and tastes great and satisfy your sweet tooth a little bit and all that kind of stuff. But, but also be careful. Not that fruit is bad. Fruit is great for you. Um, just don't, just don't overdo it like anything. A little bit of berries and Greek yogurt is great. Greek yogurt. And you're probably going to be opting for the lower fat option, Greek yogurt, which we can have a whole separate conversation about whether the low fat option is is better or not, but it's certainly lower calories and, and it's fine. Um, and, and it'd be high protein, so that's so that's great uh, as far as as far as fat loss goes. Once again, and and I think a, a last one as a good snack would just be a protein shake. And by protein shake, I mean powder and water. Shake it up and drink it, and that's a protein shake. Uh, having a smoothie that has fifteen hundred calories of peanut butter and chia seeds and bananas and berries and cashew butter and almond butter and all of these things and a little scoop of protein in it. That's not a protein shake. That's a, that's a smoothie that has a little bit of protein in it. And you see these like in gyms, so many gyms sell like protein shakes and, and they're, and they're great, but it's like, okay, you just had this workout, you feel great. And then you go and you buy, you buy a smoothie and this smoothie is 1500 calories. So like, well, okay, yeah, sure. It tastes great. And it's filled with like nutritious food, but, but if weight loss is your goal and you're having that and you think it's like healthy, which it is, but it still has a lot of calories in it. We can't, we can't separate these things. So Staying away from drinking calories is is an important thing. Now, if you just put the, the protein powder in the water, that's going to be pretty low. It's going to be, you know, average protein supplement that you use probably has somewhere around 30 grams of protein per scoop uh, times four grams of, for, sorry, four calories uh, of, four calories per gram of protein, 120 calories. So that protein, that protein shake, as in just the powder and the water should be about 120 calories, pretty low for calories, should keep you full probably a good thing to have anyways is it'll bump up your protein which most of us don't get enough especially when trying to lose fat so so that would be my recommendations again raw veggies fruits greek yogurt protein shake with just powder and water but always be always be careful about these things because you can't overdo it but to overarch or over you know whatever sum all that up and like really take a look at why you're feeling the need to snack so much and and especially if you're like really worried about cheat meals this is a this is a serious consideration that you need to they need to think about before embarking on a fat loss journey, and depending on how serious you're going to be. I'm not saying that you can never snack. I'm not saying that you should never have cheat meals. That's certainly not what I'm saying. But like if that's the thing that you are worried about the most, and like your concern, your first question is when do I get a cheat meal? You're you're setting yourself up for a disaster because you're already not wanting to do it, and then you're going to force yourself to do it, which means. You're not going to do it well, and you're not going to enjoy it. And it's not going. You're not going to be able to stick to it closely enough or long enough to see the results that you're looking for. And when you have that cheat meal, you're going to go all out. Like a cheat meal shouldn't be like eat as much as you can and try and eat ten thousand calories in one meal of McDonald's. A cheat meal should be like enjoy yourself, get your cravings out of the way, and and then move on with your life. It's not. It's not a. If you have ten thousand calories in one meal, you might just undo all of the food, all the good work that you've done the week before. So, and then you might get off track and blah, blah, a whole host of other things. But anyways, really pay attention to whether or not uh, it's a time for you to be, it's a good time for you to be losing fat if, uh, if snacks and cheat meals are your primary concern before getting into a fat loss diet or, or journey or whatever you want to call it. 
So that's that. I think I'm going to cut it off there. I've got to head uh, back to the gym now. Um, this is great. I, I really enjoy doing these kind of podcast episodes. The the solo ones are nice and, and good that uh, we've got enough uh, enough momentum here to get these Q&A ones in. So I appreciate uh, everyone sending in questions. If you have questions for the next one, which will be, uh, I'm not sure when, a month or six weeks or two months or so, um, send them to me on Instagram. I'll kind of save them and I'll put out a post or whatever at the time a little bit closer to, to, to collect some more questions. Um, that's that. Please check out the website, danielyoris.com. Please give me a follow on Instagram at danielyoris. Leave a rating and review on the podcast and share this episode with a friend, share any of the episodes with a friend. That Those things really go a very long way in uh, showing support and uh, helping this to grow as much as possible. So thank you very much for listening. I appreciate you all. Love you. Have a great day. Be a good person. Go outside. Do the things. Take off your shoes. Lift hard. Train hard. Rest hard. See you later.